We're going to jump right in, everybody. It's my pleasure. Again, uh, my name is Dan. I'm the campus pastor for our Nacogdoches location. My beautiful wife uh, right there on the front row with us. Uh, Laura, her and I uh, oversee our NAC campus, and obviously we're not there with them uh, today. We miss you guys, but uh, I know it's going great. And uh, what a pleasure to be uh, given the opportunity to speak today. Uh, thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Isn't he an awesome pastor? Isn't he a great communicator? Would you just give it up for our pastor? We love you, Pastor. Big roars all over the place. I know he'll be watching uh, today as well. But um, hey, uh, I'm just, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited about what God wants to say to us today. So I want to jump right in. We're going to talk a little bit about something called waiting. Waiting. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? I bet you can't wait for that. Uh, but I really believe that God's got some things to speak to us today. And so let's jump right in. You've got your notes with you right there in front as you walked in. You've got your uh, worship guides. And we're going to fill in some blanks this morning. But I uh, wanted to talk first off. There's a guy named Hurst Schultz. And he's uh, the owner of a great uh, hotel chain called the Ritz-Carlton. You ever stayed at a Ritz-Carlton? Like, it's ritzy, it's elegant, um, it's a nice hotel. I mean, they pay attention to the details. I'm telling you, it's an elegant place. And I was listening recently to a podcast where he was talking about just creating an environment of warmth and welcome to people. And he did a study I thought was super interesting. He said, you know, during the peak time of people checking in, Standing in line waiting to check in, he wanted to see how long it took people uh, before they became visibly uncomfortable, frustrated, like impatient. And so he did a study and he found that within four minutes, that's all it took, four minutes of waiting in line, people began to feel uncomfortable and visibly, um, visibly showing their impatience. And some of us, we don't show it. Uh, we don't hide it very well. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I get impatient, and it's all over my face, right? I'm going to let somebody know I'm, I'm impatient right now. Let's hurry things along. And so at about two minutes, he had his, uh, his staff and his team go out and start mingling amongst the crowd and just having conversation with them, getting their minds off the fact that they're waiting. Hey, how are you? Where are you from? Good to have you. So excited to have you at our hotel. I hope you have a great stay. And it extended the amount of time before they got frustrated. And of course, their goal is to help the process move along so they're not frustrated, right? We did a study again most recently. Same thing, wanted to know how long it took people standing in line to show that they were beginning to get frustrated. Any guess on how long it took? Anybody online? Anybody on the Nacogdoches campus? How many minutes? How long did it take? Two, three minutes? 20 seconds, everybody. Within, within 20 seconds, people were showing, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm standing in line too long. Uh, and some of you are like, yeah, yeah, it takes me about, about 20 seconds. <laughs> sitting, at that, sitting at that red light, when it turns green, you got about 10 seconds, sir, to get on it before I lay on the horn and give you the American hello, right? Like, we got about 20 seconds. Like, we just, we just don't, here's the, here's the reality, everybody. Let's say it together. We hate to wait. We just hate to wait. We don't like it. Don't make me wait. 
Everything about our culture is screaming, don't wait. We're going we're gonna to knock down the wait time. In fact, the other day I was driving through Nacogdoches and on a big screen, on a big, uh, one of those big signs, uh, it showed the actual wait time for the emergency room. Your wait time right now is one minute and 35 seconds. Liars! <laughs> you lie! <laughs> it's just, it's the natural process. If you have to go to the ER, you're going to wait an hour. That's just how it is. And hopefully things heal up before you have to leave. No, like, like that's just, we, waiting is natural, but we hate to wait. We hate the wait. In fact, we design things, we design apps on our phone, we design like things like, oh, I don't know, DoorDash, where you don't have to wait in line anywhere. Listen, DoorDash, about 20 years ago, didn't, had nothing to do with food. I can just tell you that. We, you know what I'm talking about? Like knocking on the door and dashing away. Um, but DoorDash, like you, you just order it on your phone and you don't have to wait for it, right? They will show up. In fact, if, if the wait's longer than, I don't know, uh, one hour, then your food is free. You know, what in the world? Uh, DoorDash, what about Instapot? Instapot, you know, when those first came out, like we were gonna get one and then I saw reports that these things explode. Like, it's possible that you could have a bomb in your house <laughs> while you're cooking rice, and it's just going to explode on you. But we love it. Why? Because I can cook a roast in there in two minutes or whatever. Like, Instapot, we want it right now because we hate to wait. Instagram. Instagram, some of you post some pictures right now, and instantaneously you get feedback. Somebody likes your post. Somebody likes your picture. They shared it five times. They viewed it a hundred times. Like, this is just, are you getting me? Like, we just hate to wait. We don't like it. We hate to wait. Instant mashed potatoes. What in the world is that? Right? Express lane on the highway. Thank God for the express lane going through Dallas. I don't care if you charge me $100. I don't care. I'm taking the express lane. Right? A fast pass at Disney World. It's a fast pass. Gets you directly to the front line. It's a fast pass to get you on the ride and a fast pass to get you on someone else's nerves. I can tell you that because the rest of us in the world that are waiting in the long line are like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Right? Fast pass. The internet. How much faster could we get? We're at 5G right now. I can't wait till we get to 12G. Like, I'm just, I don't even have to think about it and it's right there on the screen. How freaky is that, right? Uh, Pre-checking at the, at the airport. Next day delivery. You can punch in it right now and it's going to be at your house tomorrow. You know what our problem is? We're much like Veruca from uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I want it and I want it now. Some of you guys have no idea who that is. <laughs> Here's the problem. We just hate to wait. Can I tell you a secret though? Like waiting, waiting may be a part of the process. Waiting, like this whole rush life, this, uh, this at light speed pace that we're on, it's not good for us, everybody. It's not healthy for us. In fact, uh, it's not even biblical. Like there is a, pro a process, a part of us that we're just supposed to, to move at a different pace. And scripture definitely runs at a different pace. Pace. We read the word, it, it uses words like produces, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Produces. It's a process. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a process. There's a process to things. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Paul's saying in Galatians, it's a process. And there's a process that the Holy Spirit does in us. And that process can't be hurried. It's part of God's plan for our lives. It's a process. Uh, Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other. We don't make allowance for people. That word is forbearance or tolerance. We, you, we have no tolerance for people who, who cause us to wait. They have no tolerance for you. Like we're just totally impatient. Make allowance for each other's faults because of what? Because of your love. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not what? Produce. Does not produce the righteousness of God. And yet we are not swift to hear. No, we are quick to speak, aren't we? I mean, we are quick. I'll tell you what I think. In fact, in the moment, and, and if, we're, if we're honest with us, just while I'm having a conversation, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to respond to you. Because I'm going to be quick to speak. Quick to become offended. Quick to become angry. We're slow to listen. Like, we just are. We just, we just, I don't have what? I don't have, I ain't nobody got time for that. This pace that we run at, um, it, it's not the pace that God's designed for us. You know, recently we did a, uh, a 360 review as a team on our staff, and, and, uh, and what that is is we invited everybody on the team to kind of give some positive, some encouraging, uh, some challenging feedback about some of the things, some of the traits in our lives that, that could use some help, and you're like, ain't no way I'm ever doing that like that. That sounds crazy, uh, but it was super good because it invited people around us to, to give us some good feedback on how it can get better and better throughout the year, and one of the things that our team really uh, noticed about me, and this wasn't new to me, um, I, I, I know that I've, I, I, I tend to be an emotional person. <laughs> I tend to get excited about things. I tend to uh, show, uh, I don't hide my emotions. I wear it on my sleeve. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're one of those. Thank you. One or, yeah, the rest of you, a bunch of liars. <laughs> like, and, 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 and the problem is many times I will allow my emotions to direct my feelings and my feelings to direct my decisions and what I say. This is the way, this is just how I feel. Well, your feelings lie to you, right? And so one of the things I decided that I would really uh, place on myself this year, kind of a, 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 a mission statement is this, out of control emotions will not produce the kind of God-honoring life I desire. And a lot of that, guys, comes from this simple fact I'm in a rush, and I'm in a hurry, and people don't move at the pace that I feel like they ought to move at, and so some of those things, can I just, I'm just being honest with you, just being real for you, just for a moment, just to say, hey, this is something that God's working on in me. So this message today about waiting, I can tell you, I, God's been working me over with it recently, wanting me to get to a place. So what if waiting is part of God's plan for my life? What if waiting is actually God's, is part of God's plan for your life? What if waiting isn't such an inconvenient thing? What if God's actually designed a season of wait for you? We're going to talk a little bit about that today, and, and the title of the message is Hurry Up and Wait. 
How many of you guys feel like you went through that already? Like, hurry up and wait. wait. Waiting on what? We're in such a hurry. And I just, I just really felt like today we need to consider maybe God's calling us to hurry up and wait. Maybe we could slow down a little bit and wait. You know, waiting is biblical. Waiting is biblical. Like, when we read the scriptures, waiting is just, it was just part of it. Here's a few examples. Noah waited 150 days on the ark after the flood. Can you imagine being stuck in one place for like 150 days? Too soon? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we almost killed each other. 150 days, like on an ark, waiting for the, the waters to recede so they could get off. Abraham and Sarah, we'll talk about them in just a few moments. 100 years for Isaac. Joseph waited 13 years to see his dream fulfilled. The children of Israel, 430 years in slavery, waiting for their deliverer. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness, and David, 15 years after he was anointed to be king, that he actually took place as king. Israel, 700 years after that first prophecy from Isaiah that the Messiah would come. 700 years. Mary waited nine months. Jesus waited 30 years for his ministry to begin. And if you remember the ministry of Jesus, like 30 years living on earth, doing his thing, living life, making friends, and it wasn't until his 30th year that he goes to a wedding. You guys remember the story. He goes to a wedding with his disciples and his mom. They're hanging out, having a good time, and all of a sudden, they run, the, the wedding guests run out of wine, which was like a, that's a, that's a bad deal. It's bad hosting. And Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, they've ran out of wine. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, woman? <laughs> Which, by the, by the way, my mom would have slapped, um, I'm telling you, laid me out cold. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's probably not how he said it, but his response is so key here. He says, it's not my time. And Jesus had an understanding of season, of timing, that even, I mean, think about it. For, for 30 years, Jesus was like skateboarding with his friends and his buddy John fell down and broke his leg and he's like, God, is it time now? Can I like heal his leg so we can go on and play? Right? Walking by homeless people in, in the city and they're, they're hungry and he's like, but I got a small lunch. Can I go ahead and divide it up and like do a miracle and feed them? I'm just wondering in his humanity, because he's fully divine and fully human, was he saying in the moment, is it time yet? And as much as he got frustrated with waiting, I just... I just wonder if he can relate, if we can relate, like we get frustrated in the waiting. Jesus waited 30 years. Heaven and earth waited three days. The longest three days had to have been for Jesus to be resurrected from the dead. The disciples waited seven days to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The church has waited 2,000 years for Christ's return. What if waiting is just part of God's plan for your life? I don't know. <laughs> I don't like that. Like, I don't want to wait. <laughs> Everything else in my life is pointing me towards eliminating the wait. And yet when I study God's word, and yet when I, I look at how God's designed things, I wonder if waiting is just part of God's plan for my life. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Life is just naturally marked by seasons. Today, in East Texas, it's winter. You woke up this morning, and you walked outside and said, oh, it's winter today. 
and tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll go outside and it's either spring or summer. Who knows? <laughs> like, it's, it's a crazy thing. Mother Nature down here, she's off of her rocker. It's crazy. But there's seasons to things. It's winter, uh, spring, summer, and fall. Like, there's a natural process. There's seasons to things. Uh, I love gardening. I love to plant things in the spring, and I love to harvest them in the summer. There's something beautiful about the process of planting seed, cultivating the ground, planting the seed, watering it, and waiting for it to grow. I know some of you are like, that's crazy. Just go to the grocery store. Like, they have a whole aisle of it. It's pretty. Like, you can just pick it up right then. But there's a process to it, and I love the process, but there is a process. Once that seed is in the ground, I can do nothing but pull weeds and water and wait for God to bring the increase. There's something about those seasons. There's a season of weeping. Some of you this last year, uh, you lost somebody, uh, and you're in a process. You're in a season of mourning, of weeping, but there is there is joy that's coming in, in the morning. There's a season that's going to come where God's going to bring about new life. Um, seasons to life. Uh, life and death, weeping and rejoicing. And I believe there's a posture that we can take in these seasons of life. Um, and that's what I want to talk about for the, the remainder of our time today is are we in a season of wanting or a season of waiting? How have we postured ourselves in these seasons that we're in? Am I in a season of, of, of wanting or am I in a season of waiting? And there is a difference. And I believe Abraham and Sarah will give us a little bit of insight on what that looks like. Let's read it together. If you've got your scriptures, you can go to Genesis chapter 15. It'll be 15, 16, and 17. We won't read the whole chapters. We'll hit a couple of different verses here. But let's read this together. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So God shows up to Abram saying, do not be afraid, Abram. Don't be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God shows up to Abram and says, don't worry about anything. Don't be concerned about the, con the consuming of, of the enemies around you, about all of that stuff. Don't worry, Abram. I'm your reward. I'm your shield. God shows up and says, I'm your portion, Abram. Hey, that's pretty cool, right? Goes on to say, then he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven. And count the stars if you're able to number them. Look up, Abram. Can you imagine? You ever been out in the country? Anybody live out in the country where you're, you're away from the, the city lights? You know what I'm talking about? And like the stars are just, they're just endless. I was out in Colorado earlier this last year, and there was a, a, a place where we were staying, and it was like you looked up and you could see what seemed to be galaxies. And I remembered this verse of scripture, and I thought, there's no way. Abram would have looked up in the stars and said, God, there ain't no way I'm counting those. They're countless. And he says, that's exactly right, and that's my promise to you. So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. In that moment, he says, okay, God, hey, you're God, I'm not, right? There's two truths in the world. There is a God, and I'm not him, right? So you're God, you have the promise, I'm gonna trust you. So he believed it. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, uh, in the next chapter, had borne him no children. So God just said, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And now we hop over to Genesis 16, and his wife had borne him no children. 
which means no descendants. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Now, I don't know if Abram had talked to Sarai already and said, hey, God showed up to me in a vision and he spoke to me and he said, we're going to have children and our descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. Like, I don't know if he took her out, out of the tent and said, hey, hun, look up at the stars. God said that our descendants were going to be as numerous as the stars. Or maybe he just kept them to himself. I don't know. But we find right here that Sarai is not in a season of waiting. She's in a season of wanting and she's wanted a child for many, many years. And she's kind of coming up with her own plan now. And she says, listen, God has restrained me from having kids. Please go into my maid. Perhaps, maybe it's a possibility that uh, we shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Abram heeded her voice. Yeah, I guess so. Sure, why not? And I, and I get frustrated at this verse because I want to say, Abram, that's your moment. That's your time to say, no, wait just a minute, Sarah. God promised us something. I'm going to stand on his word. Let's not do this thing. Like, let's, let's, let's rest and, and wait on him. But he didn't. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, uh, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she had saw that she had conceived, her mistress, mistress became despised in her eyes. And things begin to start unraveling. And a decision that was made in a season of want, we begin to see the result of. You guys know the story. Then Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. It was, it, I, I made a decision, and I was in a bad place, and uh, now see what we have, Abram? That's your fault. Like, somebody needs some marriage counseling here. Uh, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. Sounds like a fight that maybe you and your spouse had recently. It's your fault. May God judge you. No, like, like, there's a problem now. Something was conceived in a season of want that's now... A problem. It's now a frustration. And uh, could we just agree that there are times in our lives where, in a season of want, we we conceive something that only becomes a frustration. It becomes a, a, a not a blessing but a burden. Right. Thirteen years later. Thirteen years later. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. God comes back to his promise to Abram. This is good news for us. This is good news for us because there are seasons in our life where we have produced some things in a season of want, and we feel like that has nullified God's promise or his plan for us. And I'm on plan like D or C or... F or Z. And I'm like, there's no way that God could redeem it. And yet God's a redeeming God. He can make your plan Z, plan A all over again. Someone say amen. Right? So there's a redeeming quality in here. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son, what? By her. I'm going to do this miraculous thing. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. God's reestablishing his promise to them. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? 
Many times God will promise us things. We'll receive a promise from God's word. And it's impossible in your own power and in your own strength. And you may even laugh to yourself and say, how is that even possible? I've done A, B, C, D. Or I'm at this stage in life or whatever. And listen, until you draw your last breath, God's not done with you. Amen? Like God's not done with you yet. As long as you're breathing, as long as you have breath in your lungs and strength in your bones, God's not done with you. And he says to himself, how could God do this? I'm an old man. I don't see, I don't see how this is possible. And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Are you kidding me? And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. What was, what was Abram doing? He said, listen, God, I, your plan sounds great. It sounds crazy, but it sounds great. Here, here's, here's a plan B. You ever offered God a plan B? Hey, um, what about this right here? What about this plan right here? What about this path right here? What if we do this instead of that and, and Abram's doing that. He's saying, I, listen, God, that sounds impossible to me, but you know what does sound possible? Ishmael sounds possible. Why don't you bless him? Why don't you use him? And many times in our season of want, we actually give options to God and say, yeah, but, but that, that seems hard. Let's do something a little bit easier, God. Why don't you put something in my grasp? But if God would have done that, then it would have been, it would have been Abraham's glory for the rest of his life. Look what I did. And that's not what God's about. God's about getting glory through the whole thing. That's why he does impossible things through us. Amen? I'll establish my covenant with him. No, so, no, Sarah, he says, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Chapter 18, now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. The author's establishing with us they're old. That, that oven ain't break, baking bread anymore. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, they're past the age of childbearing. It looks like it's all dead. There's no possibility. And can I just tell you, even when it seems like the dream is dead, if it seems like the circumstances are dead, it seems like uh, it, it's finished, God is the God of finished things. He can raise things back to life, everybody. He has the power to do it. He has the power to work through the dead things. They were old, advanced in age. Sarah passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. She's even laughing to herself. After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to, said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why are you doubting? Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Say no. That was two or three of you. Let's say that together. Say no. no. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. After the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Nine months later, and the Lord visited Sarah, as he has said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At what? At the set time. Look at your neighbor and say, wait for it. Wait for it. Embrace the wait. At the set time. Just hurry up and wait, everybody. If we're going to be in a hurry, let's... Let's hurry to, 
to wait. Don't get caught up in a season of want. What does a season of want do? What does that look like? Let's look at that for a few moments. A season of want. Want will rob me of my perspective. In a season of want, I'm robbed of my perspective. And one of the greatest healings we need in our lives, everybody, is a healing of perspective. We just don't see things the way that God sees them. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We, we are seeing things through our eyesight and not enough with our insight. What is God speaking to my heart? How do I have eyes of faith rather than eyes of the flesh, right? We need a change. We need a healing of our perspective. And in a season of want, I don't appreciate, I don't see. It's impossible for me to recognize the daily blessings that God is bringing my way. My perspective's out of whack. I can't see the things that God wants me to see. In a season of want, uh, it, it leaves me frustrated, leaves me frustrated because here's what happens. What I want, I'll pursue and I'll get. And then when I get what I want, I don't want what I get. You know what I'm talking about. I pursued that one thing and I did all that I had to do to get that one thing only to embrace it and then it frustrated me. And it became a burden and not a blessing because I had to do things to get things that I wanted that really sacrificed what God was wanting to do in my life. Are you with me? Is anybody following? Have you ever made a decision? Have you ever pursued something only to, to, to get that one thing and realize that is not what God wanted for me and now, and now I'm stuck and I'm frustrated? Season of want will leave me frustrated. It will also tempt me to settle. Because I get impatient about waiting. And I say, well... Uh, if God's not going to do it, then, then I guess I'll settle on this. I guess this is just as good as it gets. And can I tell you today that God doesn't want you to live a as good as it gets lifestyle. Like better than that. God has better for you. And you know why that's a, that, it's like a horse pill to swallow? Because you don't believe it for yourself. Because we don't believe it for ourselves. And evidence of that is our chasing after the things that we want rather than waiting on the things that God has planned for us. Am I speaking to anybody today other than myself? Okay? Like in that season that we just, we settle for things. And maybe you have settled. Maybe you've settled for less than really what God has for you. Uh, there's good news that God is still a redeeming God. That God will still use all things. I love this scripture. All things work together for good to what? To everybody? To those that love the Lord and are called what? According to his, his purposes. So even the things that we have messed up in life, that we've screwed up in life, God will take it and say, yeah, I can redeem that. Yeah, I can use that. A season of want will leave me tired and disappointed. A season of want is really, it's, it's defined by striving, like striving after this and striving after that. And, and, and rather than really keeping stride with God in how he moves and it's at a pace of grace in our lives, I'm striving all the time, striving for something bigger, striving for something better. And God has not designed us to strive in life. He's rather designed us to keep stride with him in life. And he moves at a different pace then we want to move, but it'll leave us tired and disappointed. 
So what does a season of waiting look like? Season of waiting looks like this. Waiting cultivates appreciation. When I wait, I appreciate. <laughs> That's pretty good. First service, I was rhyming everybody. I was like rapping. I'm just kidding. Um, like, when I wait, I appreciate. Uh, I, I begin to recognize the things that God is doing in my life. I slow down to smell the roses. I, my gaze isn't off into the distance somewhere else waiting or, or wanting something else. I'm actually appreciative of what God's given me in this season right now. And I realize that what God's given me in this season right now is developing me for the season to come. Waiting cultivates appreciation. Waiting builds anticipation. It builds anticipation. I anticipate. If this isn't what God's planned for me, I can't imagine what God has planned for me. I'm anticipating what God wants to do. Uh, I, that was one of the words I just, I felt like uh, God was speaking to me even during the Christmas season. What would, it, what would it have been like for Mary as she was pregnant with the Son of God, anticipating what that child was going to look like, what that child was going to be like? Uh, I can't imagine the, the, the sense of anticipation. And to be honest with you, we just don't live with much anticipation, everybody. We just don't. But if we would show up to God, if we would show up with a, a spirit of anticipation, God, what will you do next? How will you show yourself powerful in my life next? What do you want to do next in my life? A spirit of anticipation. Waiting sets my heart on God things and not just good things. Waiting sets my heart on God things and not just good things. Are there some good things in life? Say yes. There are some good things, and we pursue some good things, but many times we will settle in on good things when God has his things for us, when there's God things waiting for us. Waiting will allow me to, to settle my heart on God things and pass on the good things and say, that's good. That would be good for me, but it's not God for me. That's a good thing. That's a great job, and it, and it pays great money, and that would probably be good for us, but it's not God for us. God doesn't have that for me. That relationship, they would, that's a, he's a good man. She's a good woman. And I can see some good things there. But if waiting on the Lord means waiting on the God relationship, I can pass on some God things waiting for, or some good things waiting on the God things in my life. Are you following? Waiting sets my heart on God things, not just good things. And waiting renews my strength and builds my faith. Waiting renews my strength and builds my faith. In a season of waiting, I see that God is sustaining. God will sustain me in my wait. You know, we, we sit in a season of want because I feel like, you know what, I'll never get married or I'll never have that perfect job or I'll never have that one thing. And yet in a season of waiting, knowing that God has a plan for my life, he actually sustains me. And I see what he has provided for me is exactly what I need in this season of my life. And God's developing me because really uh, waiting is becoming. Waiting is becoming. What's happening below the surface is just as important. Waiting is becoming. God, is, God doesn't give us the promise immediately because he knows that we couldn't handle it right now. We're not the person that, that God needs us to be in order to handle the promise that he's given to us. So waiting is becoming, so I renew my strength, and it builds my faith. 
You guys know Psalms chapter 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? I shall not want. He's my shepherd. He provides for me. And that's the story of the gospel, everybody. That's the story from Genesis to Revelation that God wants us dependent upon him and not anything else. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I don't have to live in a season of want. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord, Psalms 27. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait. Let's hurry up and wait. So what does a season of wait look like? How many of you guys want to wait well? Wait well. If I'm going to sit in a season of wait, then I want to do it well. I've told my kids from time to time, hey, just wait a few moments. And how many of you guys know they don't know how to wait well? <laughs> Your waiting sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need you to wait quietly. I need you to wait patiently. And we don't do that very well. Let me close uh, this morning with a few thoughts on how do we wait well. How do we hurry up and wait? Is this helpful to anybody? Okay. Hurry up and wait. Psalms 37 is an incredible chapter in the Psalms. It's actually uh, been called the chapter of waiting. So if you just need some counseling on waiting, go back and read the whole chapter of Psalms 37. But we see in the third verse, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall also give you the desires of your heart. So let's wait with trust. Let's wait with trust. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I don't understand why things are happening the way that they're happening right now. I don't understand why these relationships are the way that they are. I don't understand, but my trust in him is going to pass that understanding because I trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. I'm going to wait with patience. Wait with patience. Verse 7 and 8, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest. What is that? What is rest? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Quit looking around. Quit looking to the left or to the right. Quit looking at the people that look, that look on the outside like they're prospering. They're getting all that they want. They're, you know, they have all that they want. And quit looking at those things. Wait patiently. Don't fret about that stuff. Don't fret because of the wicked man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Why? Because in our impatience, we become angry. And forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Wait patiently. Wait with action. Waiting does not mean inaction. Waiting does not mean sitting down and being still and doing nothing. In fact, we ought to be waiting with action. We ought to be doing something in our waiting. We ought to be taking next steps in our 
waiting, developing what God's doing in our hearts, uh, spending time in His Word, planting seeds in our relationships. Like, we need to be actively waiting. A few years ago, uh, almost five years ago, the Chanowskis moved to East Texas from Kansas. We made Nacogdoches our home, uh, believing that we were going to plant a church in just a few months uh, right there in Nacogdoches. And um, so we had come prepared and ready to do that. It wasn't God's time, and in fact, it wasn't for a couple of years that God actually uh, helped us to launch that campus in Nacogdoches. We were in a process of, of waiting. I wanted to make it happen. And there were some things that we could have done to force that thing to happen, but it wasn't God's timing. We were waiting patiently for God to do what only He could do. And glory to God, it is, God is doing some amazing things through Timber Creek Church. And we've seen people get saved and baptized, that their relationships that are restored are restored. God is at work. And we could have we could have messed that whole thing up. And we were in the process of waiting. But with action, like doing things, praying and, and seeking God. And I just want to tell you, in your, in your season of waiting, don't just sit and do nothing. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Dig into the Word. Get a hold of the promises of God. Spend time worshiping in your waiting. Focus in on Him and, and become who He's desired for you to be and, and allow those things to be developed in you so that when the promise comes, you are able to handle it. Wait with action. Wait with commitment. Wait with commitment. I'm going to encourage you this year. Make not just church attendance, okay? But like church and get involved in church. Be a part of the body of Christ. Start taking next steps. Get onto a dream team. Start serving somewhere. Start giving on a regular basis. Start like doing the things that... that those rhythms in your life that are going to draw you, get into a group, okay? Like do those things that are they're going to set you on a rhythm in life. They're going to help you grow closer and closer to Him. Commit to those things. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. Stay committed to Him. And this is what I want to say to you today. Don't walk away in delay. Don't walk away in delay. It's easy for us in the seasons of, of waiting to just get tired of waiting. I just get tired of it. I'm just, I'm just wore out. I feel like God said this to me, but maybe I heard wrong. Maybe that's not God's promise. Maybe God doesn't have a plan for my life. Maybe, and we walk away in delay. And Galatians 6, 9 is a great scripture just to encourage us. So let's not get tired of doing what is what? Doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give I believe God is inviting us to a, a pace of grace, to a hurry up and wait season in our life. And the journey just looks, it just looks different than the hurried pace of our life. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be efficient. Listen, I, I am an efficient person. <laughs> in fact, my wife says, you are too efficient. You are efficient to the max. Take that. <laughs> Thank you. Out of, out of control emotions will not bring about the God-honoring lifestyle. Uh, I'm not against efficiency, uh, but I surely don't want to get ahead of God. 
I want to be patient waiting on him. Matthew chapter 11 says, are you tired, wore out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. By the way, a life of just pursuing religion is that striving. It's that striving. Striving to be good enough. Striving to do all the right things. Striving to, uh, to mark all the boxes. And that's not, that's not even the life that God's called us to. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. You ever read in Scripture that Jesus is a running God? He's not running anywhere. In fact, people got frustrated at the pace at which Jesus moved. Jesus, if you'd, have, if you'd have just gone faster, my loved one wouldn't have died. Come on, Jesus, pick up the pace a little bit. And he's like, no, I'm not going to be managed by time. I'm, I'm in charge of time. And he moved at his pace. And he invites us to walk with him and work with him and watch how he does it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. How many of you guys know sometimes we, we lay heavy and unfitting things on ourselves? Well, God will never give you more than you can handle. He won't. Because he's going to handle those things through you. But sometimes we overload ourselves with stuff. Why? Because we want things. And we want the stuff in our life. And we overload ourselves. And maybe this year it's a time to like, shed off some of the things that, that you've added to your life. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Boy, I love the sound of that. Let me close with two questions uh, this morning. Two questions for you. The first question um, is this. What is your weight? Well, that's offensive. What's your weight? <laughs> what is your weight? What is your weight? What is the thing that, that you're waiting on? I don't know. You know, there's 7,000 promises in the Word of God. Between Genesis and Revelation, God's given us promise, thousands of promises. What is the promise that you have circled in your life that you are waiting on? Have you spent enough time in His Word to really decipher, what is God saying to me? What has God promised to me? What is that promise? What is your weight? And there's a spot even in your program, in, in, your, in your worship guide, for you to put that promise, that scripture, what is your weight? What are you waiting on this year? What are you praying for and praying towards this year? The second question is, what are you waiting for? This question is really for you. You, you have really yet to surrender your life to Jesus. You're still in control. You're still in control of your, you're still sitting on the throne of your own heart. And it's time, it's time for you to surrender your life to him. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting to get all your ducks in a row? I spoke to a guy recently, and, and uh, we do baptisms um, every month, and, and I was inviting him to, uh, to get baptized, and he said, you know, I would love to do that. I'm just, I'm just waiting on, on some things to get into place and, and trying to get some things in order in my life, and I encourage him, you don't have to wait to get things in order in your life. Jesus will meet you in the process. What are you waiting for? Surrender your life to him. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he's got great things in store for you. Surrender to him today. He's actually waiting on you. Second Peter 3. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that which the Lord one day is that as a thousand years and a thousand years as, as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He's not slow concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting on you. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe that's, maybe you, you have an answer to one of those questions today. You're online today. They're in Nacogdoches. Dieball Duncan, I'm talking to you guys as well this morning. What are you, what is your weight? Do you have a way? Is there a promise that you are waiting on God to fulfill in your life? If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand so I can pray with you that God would help you in your wait? Yeah, all over the place. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I'm not waiting well, but I'm waiting. May God help us. Jesus, help us in our time of wait to wait with trust, to wait with patience, to wait, God, on you to do what you do God to wait with commitment God help us to wait and to see even this year God beginning to see those promises fulfilled and for those of you this morning you have yet to really surrender your heart to Jesus what are you waiting for what are you waiting for I'd like to invite you slip up your hand let us know hey, I want to invite Jesus to be the author and perfecter of my life I want to invite him to save me today I'm ready to step off the throne of my heart that God could take his rightful place I'm surrendering to him today come on put your hands up all over the place that's you we want to pray for you today amen God thank you that you work on our hearts God thank you that you're drawing us to you thank you for those today that are taking that bold step of saying you know what I'm ready I'm ready to receive you. I'm ready to surrender my life to you. Now, God, I pray that, that, that each and every one of us, God, would say as a fresh time or for the first time today, we surrender to you, God. We're waiting on you in our life. Do what you want to do in and through us. God, we wait patiently for your promises. They're worth waiting for. And we're going to hurry up and wait this year to see you do what only you can do. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.